And we are live. Welcome to the first iOS Lead Essentials podcast, the place to start your journey towards a remarkable iOS career. I'm Mike. And I'm Kayo. And in every episode, we'll go deep into an essential iOS dev topic. So the topic for this first episode is testing. Very popular and, topic. <laughs> yes, to say the least. And more specifically, the pains of writing automated tests. So we've been getting many questions from our students and uh, the iOS community in general, and we decided to address most of them in one go. And we'll be addressing the questions with the premise that you want a remarkable career. The questions come from people that they want to test, they want to do a great job, they want to do the best they can. Exactly. That's a big disclaimer there because what we're going to suggest, it doesn't mean it's applicable in all cases. It means for a very particular scenario where you want a career transformation, you, are, you want to achieve growth, you want to evolve, right? These are the things that we think you should be thinking of doing. Exactly. Okay, so first question. What are some good reasons not to test? You can okay. see that that's normally what we get from beginners, right? Like finding reasons not to do the work. <laughs> yes. That's completely yes. normal, right? When you don't Absolutely. know how to do something, you're probably going to avoid it. It's risky. Absolutely. Uh, it's risky. It uh, has a tremendous cost to learn how to do it properly. And yeah, I mean, um, maybe maybe we should we should reverse the question and go first. You know, what are the reasons that you should be testing? Why you should be doing it in the first place? And if you if you understand why, then perhaps it's much easier to reply. You know, why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you be doing it? Well. Okay, so yeah. what are the reasons why you should test? Right, and the reason is uh, in professional software development, I think the reason is to, to eliminate, to try to decrease the risk is, you know, this uncertainty for the future. The question, the main question is, how do you know what you've built works? Right? That's right. Like, and you basically have, I don't know, a gazillion different states that your system can be in. So what you're doing basically with testing is that you are, you are getting, you, you are decreasing the, the, the possibilities of the system to find itself in a place where it doesn't work, right? Or you don't know what happens there. So that's why uh, we like testing. So because everyone tests somehow, even if manually, right? Because you write something and you see it happening on the screen. Like, okay, it does what I want. Absolutely. But we are talking specifically about automating that work in a way that you're sure that it works now and you're sure that it works five minutes from now and five days from now and 10 days from now and years from now. Exactly. Right? So it reduces the cost because if it takes you 10 minutes to do something manually, but it takes you 0.1 second if you automate it, you should probably automate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the problem. Something might work right now. You tested it, but a change tomorrow or in five minutes from now breaks your assumptions. The system does not do what you think anymore. Exactly. That's why you need to, to document basically your work and assert that it works for a very specific set of scenarios. And if you have new scenarios in five minutes, you add them in your test suite. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the basic idea. So I think that's a, like one way of putting why you should test. And now let's go back why you shouldn't test. Okay. And, yeah. So the good I, reasons not to test. I think, yeah. And the one reason that comes to mind that uh, you shouldn't be testing is like if you're not dealing with risk, if you're not dealing with uncertainty. So if you're doing something that you know it's like 100% going to 
discardable, you know? For example? For a spike, for example, or a prototype, you know, where, you know, like this is not going to see the, the light of production. Um, this is not going to be shipped to customers. You're doing something for experimental purposes and the experiment has uh, an expiration date. Right, That's and it. it's very short, right? It's very short, exactly. If the expiration date is one year, would you test it? That's yeah. That's like that's completely <laughs> different. I'm talking about minutes here, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. You you want to, for example, you don't know how an API works, and you want to see it in action. Uh, yeah, like you should you shouldn't probably testing that. Like a playground, just, right? You just want to exactly. see it working. Exactly. Exactly. Like a play, like a playground. Um, so I think that's a good candidate. Prototypes. So work that will be discarded soon. Exactly. Like a soon. prototype. Like a prototype. Or a spike. Okay. What about MVPs? Right. So, <laughs> so that's the other the minimum viable product, right? The first release. Exactly. So I think there is a great deal of confusion when it comes with MVPs because they they might be perceived as prototypes or as um, you know like projects that have a very uh, short lifespan. Let me remind you something. P stands for product in MVP, right? It doesn't stand for prototype, meaning by yes. prototype. That means that your customers are gonna are gonna interact with your system there with a deliverable, and that's. You know that's scary. That 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 can cost money <laughs> to the business or make you know uh, if it's good what you're doing. So I I think MVPs are you know like real applications, real products, and you should be definitely um, see them in this way. Thus, testing should be the priority. It should be like you know a, a very uh, integral process in creating these uh, apps and delivering them to your customers. Right. Because the idea with MVPs, when people say, let's not test MVP, it's because we are going to release it to the customers and they think it's a prototype because like, we're just testing an idea. Right? The problem is, and you want this problem, if it is successful, you have to maintain that. So you, exactly. want this you want your product to be successful and you say, if it is successful, we're going to test, we're going to rebuild it. What are the odds you're going to have the time? No, you want to add more features. You want to deliver more value to the customers. Absolutely. So you better test it from day one. Yeah, absolutely. And prototypes have their place there as well, obviously. That's, that should be probably the first thing you build once you have validated uh, a couple assumptions, then you should move to the MVP stage, which again, you make a real product there. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you don't promote your prototype to a product. If you're planning to write a prototype and if it's successful, it's going to become the product, you should test it. 100%. Yes. Got it. I, there, yeah. So. Okay. Any other good reason not to test so we can move on? I, I don't see any other reason, personally. Well, uh, what if you I, don't know how to test? Well, if that's the case, then you should learn how to test. <laughs> Again, if you're aiming for a fulfilling career, uh, if you're aiming for evolution, then as an iOS developer, then you should definitely learn how to do that. But it could be a good reason not to test if you have a very tight deadline and you don't know how to do it it's going to be risky right it can backfire by adding tests you can compromise the delivery yes yes that's definitely uh the case many times and understanding you know how to juggle basically the the uh like the needs of the team, the needs of the business, the needs of the product you're making, you know, these are, these are hard things to, to get right. 
Yeah. But, you know, like, I, I don't think compromising testing should be the first step, you know, like, if that's the case, then you, you should, um, you, you should just learn the skill. Yeah. Get probably. some training. Maybe if your business doesn't want to invest in you, you, you have to invest it from your own pocket. But it's your future. It's your career. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So don't compromise the project, but learn how to test. Okay. Next question. What should I not test? Which is similar to the first one. Right. But it's like, okay. I'm sold. I'm going to test the things that need to be tested. But what should not be tested? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good question because, like, yeah, sometimes um, we hear, we hear, like, another, another common way of saying that is what should, that, like, what should my code coverage be, for example? Right. And, and, and you say, I don't know, 8%, 90%. How do these numbers like come by? Like how, how? I don't know. Personally, I think the only logical thing is to do 100% of testing there. Again, we stated previously the reasons why you shouldn't be doing that. If there's uh, if you if you don't assume any risk in what you're doing, and if there is like a very short uh, lifespan for your for your project, then yeah. But I don't know. Otherwise, like what's what's your opinion there? So I should not test things that are 100% reliable. Right. That have been, and reliable means they have been tested already by someone else. Okay. Right? So if I'm using URL session, for example, I'm not going to test the URL session works. If I found okay. out at some point the URL session doesn't work, I'm going to find another framework right. to use. So, so you're saying that you take some things for granted. For for example, Apple's code, you take it for granted. But the integration with your own system, then you want that to to make sure it um, it works as expected. Yes, I trust that URL session works, but I'm gonna write tests that I'm using URL session correctly, mm -hmm. and that it generates the output I expect. Not that the framework uh works, but that the output of using it. Is exactly what I expect. Absolutely. And okay. So reliable things that have been tested already by someone else or from for other means. But the problem is like, what is one hundred percent reliable in software? Exactly. Probably nothing. So that's the risk of thinking. Well, I'm not going to test this because I know it works. What if you make an assumption about core data, for example, that core data it's going to store things in a correct order. And then you find out that, no, there is no order. When you fetch your data, there is no order. Yes. Right? So that's why and you need to test it. You may have wrong assumptions. Or core data can have bugs as well. Exactly. Though it's a project that has been tested, that's been around for 20 years. It has bugs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, about the reliability, I have a comment there. Sometimes... This reliability is established based on something that will never change. Okay. So, yeah. So it's so, stability. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's stable because it never changes, and we have established, you know, like a version that works. So we're good, and that's, in my opinion, that's a fallacy. You just can't predict if something is going to change or not. Yes. Uh, um, so even if that's the case, if something doesn't change, you know, like you tested once, if it didn't change, if it never changes, then I don't know, it's done. I think I think these are like the basic, uh, you know, the, the 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 cheap, if you like, cases uh, where you do it once, it's done. You never have to go on the production side and change that. So, um, so yeah, and the problem there is uh, when, let's say an authoritative figure like your manager, like your boss is going to come to you and it's going to say, we don't need to test that because it's not, never going to change. Well, right. okay. <laughs> you know, it's your opinion. It's not a fact. 
Uh, and we see many developers being conflicted with this. I mean, this is no joke because it can cause a great deal of stress. Uh, so, yeah, that's. But this is already a symptom that you are testing after because it means, oh, it works, so don't test it. Exactly. So testing exactly. is not even part of the, the development process. It's a thing done after the fact. And so your boss says, well, it works. Why would you test it? It's been tested. Like, yeah, you can see it works. Look, look. It works. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another symptom if your manager is telling you what your practices should be. You are the specialist, right? Exactly. Or you should be. If you're hired just to type code as you've been told, you're probably not going to have a remarkable career. You have no yeah. autonomy. Yeah. Or trust. So maybe if that's your problem, you need to build trust, not stop testing. Absolutely. That's, uh, there's a cop there um, for sure that you, you're going to reach if, uh, if you're not going to go out of the way and, you know, like provide your own insights, uh, not based on, uh, you know, suggestions from the management side or the business side, but you know, it's your own insights because you understand how, uh, you know, volatile technologies and how fragile systems are. So, you know, you need to go out of your way and not basically not use it as, as an excuse that the fact that something, you know, has a very low probability of changing. Well, very low probability is not zero. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it could happen. And uh, you don't want to be the guy uh, or the gal that, you know, made this um judgment call of not testing something but that's not you know the, the point here is not it's not taking it personal and saying i don't want to be this person is like you know in the first place you don't want your customers to ever experience something um you know that is suboptimal that is not expected so yeah so um what i get from what you said is that not every test you write is going to pay off you're going to write tests for things that will never change. And you're going to write tests that things you thought it would not change, and they change all the time. So the problem is that, yes, you don't want to write tests for things that don't change. The problem is that you don't know what those things are. So you better test everything. Absolutely. Exactly. And again, if you see it from a risk management point of view, then the truth is like you never know what's going to happen. So you just want to decrease the probability of bad things happening, you know, yes. to everyone, <laughs> not just, you know, the, the code base, because the code base, like what happens in the code base, it reflects to your career, it reflects to the customers, it reflects to the business. So it's, you know, you just want to contain the, the chaos uh, that, that, that can exist. So and maybe your boss comes to you and says, don't test this. So he's micromanaging you. He's telling you exactly what you should do right. from his point of view, which right. is managing time at that, right. that point, right? Yeah. And then you say, okay, but if something goes bad on a Saturday, who's going to go to the office fix it? Probably right. you. Yeah. Right? So this is a good incentive for you to fight for your rights there, but not <laughs> exactly. actually fight. The best way to change this to influence change is to actually win trust right if you consistently deliver good results your boss is just going to trust you next time and say oh you can deliver on time and still test it and we have no regressions so if you build this trust over time you're not going to be micromanaged absolutely absolutely yes and how much time are you actually saving by not testing that's a that's a good question can you um, measure that do you have a clock actually measuring it and you are comparing? That's the problem there because like we hear many times the argument, oh, you're over-testing this oh, or, okay. or you, you're over-engineering something. Well, uh, can you measure that? What, what does that even mean in the first place? You're over-testing something. You know, there is like... Uh, I think there's a trade-off there somehow. Like, yeah, I mean, understanding what you should be testing, 
you know, for example, as you said, now, if you're testing your own system, if you're testing the integration of your system with a third party framework, I think that's, that's like the correct way to go. But if you're then going, you say, no, no, I don't trust Apple's URL session. I don't trust, you know, something uh, that you, you should be taking for granted most probably and right. catching problems in a different way Then yeah, like that's, that's probably something, uh, you know, towards the side of, li- of a liability uh, instead of helping you out. So that's important because you mentioned that if you find a bug with URL session, I said, yeah, you should probably find a new framework, but sometimes you don't have this option, right? Your, I don't know, your business bought a framework and say you have to use it. Yeah. And let's say you start finding bugs, then you better write tests for other people's code. Yes. Even if probably going to be like black box tests, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to just see input output and make assumptions on how this thing works. But yeah, you better do it for your own sake. Absolutely. For your own sanity. Absolutely. And that's, that's the other thing that you, you say, yes, for third-party frameworks, if you start seeing problems there, you should change your strategy, you know, like because you understand that there's uncertainty going on here for the future. There's risk going on. You know, I was not expecting a certain behavior. For example, like I bought a framework. I expected this framework to work as it should. It doesn't. Well, am I going to just justify that? Well, what can I do? It just it doesn't work. No, like you should you should prepare your system uh, for unexpected behaviors. And yeah, that's that's testing is a fantastic way of doing so. Uh, catching it early, getting the feedback um, soon. Right. And just like with any goods, right? If you buy a car and it's not doing its job, it doesn't work in the morning, and you cannot get to work on time, you're going to fight for your rights, right? You're going to go and find a better car or ask for a new one or try to fix it, right? Not just going to yes. complain and say, well, it is what it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So should I test a simple project? Right? I'm working a very simple project, a couple of screens, not much going on. Should I test it? Yes, go for it. Big time. because. <laughs> That's the best time to, to test stuff, especially if you're, you know, in this junior uh, level that you are getting your feet wet with test driven development, automated testing. I think that's definitely the best, the best, um, uh, the best time to do so because you don't have complexity, most probably, you know, like you have a couple mm. screens, you just need to, um, to do the basics. And yeah, like that's that's how you sh- that's how you learn, right? That's how you and practice. Yeah, that's how you learn. Yes, Exa- exactly. So uh, do it when it's easy. <laughs> absolutely. So you get I mean, better at it, and you can get higher, bigger challenges. How else will you is, learn? Exactly. Like because one thing is for sure, you will not be able to do it when things are hard. You know, so. Do it when it's easy, repeat a lot, you know, things start clicking, then you, right. can, you can continue and do it in more uh, complex situations. So if you need to learn how to ride a bike, it's better to learn when you have like a playing field with someone helping you and guiding you and things are easy, low risk. You don't want to learn when there's a cheetah running after you <laughs> and that's your not. only way to survive. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. No, um, no cheetah. Just yeah. Do it when it's easy. Do it so when, when it's easy. the problems get harder, you can follow. You can apply it. Exactly. Absolutely. Next question: Should I test a core data implementation? Okay, we covered this quite a bit. Uh, yeah, definitely go for it. If you're Again. writing code. Yes, mm-hmm. test it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, again, don't test core data, right? Yes. I'm going to test that the input and output of using core data in the middle does what you expect. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, it, it can be buggy. Or you Why not? may not know how to use the framework correctly. Exactly. <laughs> so you should document 
your hypothesis. Like, what, what do you expect your code to do? The, it is, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fantastic, like, I, I'm, I'm a very big believer in this thing, you know, because you have assumptions, you, you eliminate the assumptions, basically. I right. like that. Next, should I test my view layer? So should I test my UI? Okay. <laughs> Do Why you have not? code in your UI? <laughs> exactly. Like. <laughs> um, oh, but it's silly code. So you have zero bugs in your UI. Right. How many exactly. UIs are buggy? Yeah. I mean, every day I interact with apps, the UI is super, super buggy. And they keep releasing updates, updates, updates. They cannot fix it. <laughs> yes. Now, I mean, the UI, like, the UI is probably, um, you know, it, as an infrastructure implementation, it, it, it's, it's kind of a special thing. For example, we're talking about, especially for automated tests, right? Uh, for unit tests, isolated tests, I mean testing the behavior, right? But then what, what happens, for example, if you want to test the colors, uh, you know, you have like a, a label and it has a, a green color or you have constraints um, on your views. So layout. Layout, exactly. Right. So what do you do there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, how can you unit test an animation? Right, and should you unit test an animation? That's another thing, right? Maybe. Absolutely. Like if again, <laughs> depends <laughs> how valuable this thing is. Like how 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 much risk does this thing introduce uh, in in the rest of the system? If you're just fading a button, should you unit test that you're fading the button? No, you should unit test that the button is not there after a certain action, or that it is there after a certain action. But the actual animation, maybe it's not that valuable to test that. You've been degrading the alpha channel in a certain rate. Exactly. You can, but how much value does they have? I don't know. Depends on your use case. How important is that animation for the use case? I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, there is no rule, you know, that applies to all scenarios. You should be thinking about, you know, your situation, tailor solutions to your situations. For sure. So you said about colors. Mm -hmm. Some colors sometimes, like it's it's important that you test it. Like if something is yes. wrong, I want it to have a red color. Mm -hmm. You should probably test the color in there. Exactly. Right, because it's kind of driven by some kind of logic. And if you show the wrong question with the green color, you're going to confuse your users. Like that's a pretty important element of your user interface. Right. Exactly. Certain behavior that you want to assert, it's always correct. Right. How? So, what are some ways to do that? Because I feel that, for example, if you are going to go in your unit test and assert, you know, this label has this color, you know, and should be equal to the specific color, and you create a color there, I think that's like very cumbersome. It can, especially because. Uh, it can change a lot, you know, or not. I don't know. Uh, so the actual alpha color may change the combination actually exactly. of RGB. They yeah. may change or you may change the exact green, but it's still green, right? So we yes. are not testing exactly the RGB combination, mm -hmm. right? We are testing that we, are, we have a correct answer color. We could create a constant that means correct answer color. And wrong go. answer color, for example, and you assert that you have that. So if you change the constant, it's still fine. But you can say, but what if I change the constant wrong? Right. If I change the alpha, uh, the RGB combination, and now it's orange somehow. Yes. Yes. Your unit test is not going to get that. Exactly. What do you so, do then? Yeah. So for this for this kind of uh, scenario, you probably need some sort of, you know, uh, diff between like a screenshot testing, for example, that you can diff the, the, the changes based on, you know, your expected and what you have. 
right. your system. So, um, yeah, I think that's very, very interesting what you're saying there. So you, you're saying that the behavior is one thing and then the values are another thing. So the behavior is, yes, this is like the uh, correct color or the wrong color or whatever. You need to assert that to make sure that you are the system behaves in a certain way, but then what kind of color is that? Yeah, that belongs somewhere else. Yes, the visuals belong somewhere else where you can actually visualize it. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Probably in yeah. a screenshot. Yes. But you yes. can automate that. Capture and even automate in a way that every time there's a difference, as you say, a diff <laughs> of these two yeah. images, you're going to be alerted. And now you have to go there and look at it and say, no, actually, it's okay. Or, no, that's wrong now. Right? Exactly. You, you need someone to look at it and actually say if it's still fine or not, because it's visual. You need to visualize it. 100%. I agree. Very nice. Very, very good. Okay. By the way, question. those tests can be very fast if you just render it on the screen and take a screenshot. You don't need to actually run the simulator, press buttons, and see it. Yes. You just render a portion of the screen, take a snapshot, and that's it. Should I test network requests? Okay. Well, <laughs> um, not, not to become boring here, but yes, you should. Um, well, and I think the question is if you should or not, is how exactly. you should test it then. Ex exactly. That's, that, that's what I want to say. Um, what exactly are you trying to test there? Again, like, are you going to test uh, the URL session thing? No, like you shouldn't be doing that. Are you going to test, for example, are you going to assert that you're creating the correct URL requests? You know, like you have some sort of a builder factory of URL requests and, you know, you want to assert that it has a post body, for example, it gets XYZ data or XYZ parameters, then yeah. Right. Absolutely. So you are testing that you conform to your API contract, which requires exactly. a specific request, you have a specific path, a specific method, and etc. Exactly. Um, that's it. And then how this, how, how does this request integrate with, uh, I don't know, like your use cases, you know, with your, with your services and, uh, are we, are we talking about like unit testing here? Are we talking about integration testing, you know, end-to-end -end tests? I think you should definitely prepare your project for something like that. Like, you know, hit the network, uh, probably in a different target as well, mm. you know, so. So you so need you to have... layer your strategy for mm -hmm. testing. Exactly. Should probably have the most majority of tests in as the unit level. Exactly. Very to the point, like, is it, am I creating the right request? Do I have the right body there? Can it be rendered like in JSON form? Can I decode and encode these? If I get a response back, can I decode it, right? So all based like, Everything that's contract-based, that you go to the API or you have a documentation and you have like all the possible payloads, all the possible parameters, all the possible paths, you can unit test that because that's a contract. That's a contract test. But maybe you follow all the contract, but when you run it, it doesn't work because the documentation you were following was wrong. The contract changed. So that's the point where you should probably have some integration tests end-to-end -end that go fetch the data, log in with a user, and do all the things you expect. Just because sometimes you're just dealing with APIs you have no control or you don't trust. It's a third party that you have not even customer support because it's a free service. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> or sometimes it's even working within a team that is just moving super fast and they keep breaking the contract all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And how many times I wrote those kind of tests and I found bugs in the API and I helped the API team improve the software, right? So why not? It doesn't take yeah. that long. No, no, for sure it doesn't. Um, and I think that's an excellent strategy. As you said, the base should be the behavior, should be the, the, the contract, and then you know, should have like a smaller layer 
testing the interaction now, you know, with the client and server or what have you there. So, yeah, you know, the question is, should I test network requests? For sure, <laughs> you know, of course, <laughs> with with many strategies as well. All right, that's uh, enough. Next, should I test if there is a QA department where I work? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, big time. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, a... it's not their responsibility to no. test your code. You are responsible to make sure that your code works. And that works now, works tomorrow, works forever. I think that's, that's very important what you're saying because you said they're not responsible for testing your code, right? Like right. That's, that's, that's very distinct and very important in my opinion because QA is, uh, you know, usually is testing the product as, as like as a product. It doesn't yes. test the code, right? Um, and, and they are helping drive the requirements with the customers as well, right? Exactly. They talk with customers, they write acceptance tests, they write the requirements, they do business analysis. They are guaranteeing the whole quality of the product, not of your right. code. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all these things tend to be in integration, right? So you have two, three parts of, uh, of the whole system that uh, they're going to make sure they should work together. But for the isolated part, for you know your code, your your component, that's that's all you. Uh, you should definitely not rely on them. They maybe they don't even have access to you know like these these types of yeah. Sometimes uh, a different team in a different office, they don't have access yeah. to the code to Git to your source control. Nothing, right? They it, test it like a black box, right? They exactly. Try to find issues in there. Exactly. Right, and so, they make sure that actually. The product does what the business wants, what the customers wants. Yes, yes. Which is so, completely different than if your class does what you want and the whole integration with the backend works, that's all new. Yeah, absolutely. And if you delegate so, testing to QA, they're going to have to do so much more work than they're already responsible for. They'll become a bottleneck. Yeah, exactly. Right, and they're going to hate you. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think that's a bad idea. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a bad idea again because uh, it, it creates this very unnecessary dependency. We assume here that you take ownership, uh, and you know you're responsible for your work. So mm. this, you know, it, testing again uh, is on your court. You are responsible for that. Not the not other people are responsible for that. So I don't think it's a, it's a good way to think like that you know delegating testing to another person to another team doesn't matter if their name is qa you know like that's like just make sure everything works from your end first and if they find something they're going to notify you you know and i think that's much better for the whole operation to to exist uh in peace you know right so your goal should be for qa to find no bugs yeah, that's yep. Yeah, that's incentive you should have. Like, never to be proud and say, "Come on, use it. It's perfect." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the kind oh, of confidence it, it, you should have. The other thing we should mention is like, you know, the question is if there is a QA department, mm, should okay. I test now? What if there is no QA department in your team, right? And basically, you are the QA department. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Um, personally, I really like that, you know, it, it's, uh, it kind of forces you to be extra responsible. If you like, again, not if there is a QA department, you shouldn't be responsible. You should be very, very, very responsible. Um, but there is, yeah, there is like this sense of ownership of, you know, the stakes are higher basically. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, you like the blame is going to be assigned to you and only you if something goes bad. So yeah, I mean, but but again, that's that's how you have skin in the game and uh, you, you know you 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 transform you becoming like this at this elite level, you know, expert level uh, in in as a professional. I mean, 
Right. So it's nice to have QA because it kind of alleviates a little bit responsibilities. But I've worked with teams with no QA and it was very nice. And you could mm -hmm. see more ownership of the product from the developers. So every time there was a, a meeting about like the requirements, like everyone would go there because like if there's any decision made in that room and I'm not there, it's gonna fall on me. Right? right. So you take much more responsibility and ownership. But sometimes that can become a bottleneck, right? So you need a QA department to help you. Yeah. But it should work in unison, like it should be together. It's not exactly. like QA is gonna test after we are done. No, they are part yeah. of the process. They work with you. It's one thing. Yeah, and that's hard to achieve, but it is. Yeah, that's that's how it should be. Next, okay. should I test if I don't have time to test? Right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yes. Again, the answer is yes. Uh, you should. Um, Why do, don't you have time? Like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, what does that even mean if I don't have time to test? Because do you have time to deliver your feature without tests? Exactly. That's you know my favorite part is if you're writing the test first, then that's that's not even a, a thing. You know, like you can't ask the question if you're starting to 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 code, you know, a feature with a test first. Right. Because you can't have a feature done without your tests. So, yeah. There so the is, reason, uh, like, why don't you have time? Because you're rushing too much? Maybe you should slow down. Is it because you don't have the skills to test? You should learn mm -hmm. the skills and practice, right? Find some answers, yeah. get some training, talk to your boss and say, hey, you know what? We would be much more productive if we had this training that we found here. It can really help us. And right. if your boss says no, like you might have to go out of your way and do it, but you're investing in yourself. So the next job you get, you're going to be more valuable. You're going to probably find people that care more, they have higher standards. And that's how you progress in the long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you don't have time, plan better next time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that should never be um, an excuse for... Yeah, again, if you want professional fulfillment, if you want to, um, you know, be, deliver be, your best work every day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Work in this next level. Yeah. Okay, next question. Should I test cold challenges when applying for jobs? Yes, absolutely. Even if they say we don't want tests or whatever, like if they say that we don't want tests, that's 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 great because you can discard that, you can go to yes. the next, exactly. the next application. Just dodge a bullet. Yeah, but <laughs> I I think you know like uh, businesses don't have to say that. Like I think they should take it for granted. You know, like if 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 they are if they want like good candidates, um, then absolutely. They don't have to say it like, oh, you have you get extra points if you have unit tests. Right, a bonus, about? right, bonus <laughs> test. Yeah, no. I wouldn't say no. yeah, I wouldn't say bonus anything because I just want to see like what kind of like care this person is gonna put into this code challenge, how much exactly. effort they're gonna put on it. Maybe they don't have time to do it, and that's fine. But you don't need time to show care, right? I would prefer that if they just have like implemented less features in the code challenge. But with more care, absolutely. Then yes. implementing everything super messy, lousy. Yes, and of course this differs from you know business to business. Yes, but I think these code challenges are an excellent way to showcase how you work in every you know in in day to day basis. And um, well, if you're if you're writing your tests first, you, that should reflect. That's yes. like probably the best you know, the, the best possible way to demonstrate how you work. Because how many times, like, you know, you have a phone interview with someone, recruiter or a software developer or whatever, and they say, do you, how, what, what's your take on tests? And say, oh, yeah, yeah, I like this, you know, and then, yeah. well. So it's a two-way filter, right? The company, you're going to filter people that not up to their standards, 
and also the candidate is filtering companies that is not up to their standards. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because if you care about testing, if you care about the long term, if you care about like a remarkable career, and you're going after it and you want to work with people with high standards so you can push yourself and grow with time, you better filter those companies as well. Yes. Right? If you have the means to wait a little bit longer to find a better company, even sometimes to make less money, yes. but in the long term make more. Right? Yes. It's an investment in high standards, in discipline, in good skills, valuable skills. So you need yes. to filter that by being yourself in the cold challenge. Don't do this just because the company wants you to do that. Don't test. It's a high indication that they're not going to test. They're going to have low standards, right? It's indication. Doesn't mean they will. They might be yes. building amazing software. And even if they ask for tests, doesn't mean they're doing it. Yes, that's, right? that's, that's very, very common. Absolutely. Very important as well. Uh, so, yeah. If, if you if you want to be in a, an environment, um, you know that have good practices. Definitely, yes. Filter first. You know that's that's the take. Filter first. Next, should I test open source projects? So free open source <laughs> projects. Right. So this is where the the risk. For me, goes you know like uh, a level insanity, you know, <laughs> because because like many of the open source projects, like the the famous ones, uh, yeah, they just they don't use they don't they don't test at all. They well, do they, manual testing. They crowdsource the test because there's so many people exactly. using it. Exactly, they crowdsource the test. The te the, the the testing strategy is crowdsourcing, and then basically you see. Uh, like a, a very a very big list of issues, um, you know, on the GitHub page and lousy fixes that introduce more bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not a big fan of that. So I think um, you should definitely go after your these libraries and and test them uh, again with your integration. I with your excuse me with. Um, in integration with your own system, um, I think, yeah. What if you are creating these open source projects? Right. Should you test it? It's free. Should you go the extra mile to test it? Again, uh, <laughs> you don't have to think about these things when you start with a test. You know. Yes. Uh, right. So if you go going the extra mile means test 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 last. Uh, test after I don't like that or you see some projects for example that you know uh, they invite people to add tests yes that's that's they have the to-do list everything is done you want to add these few features and add tests yeah like uh, I wouldn't yeah. use the library yeah I'm not a big fan let's go either. there <laughs> yeah Okay. So, yeah, if you're creating an open source project, yeah, just go the extra mile and do it. You're putting yourself out there, your code out there. Show high standards. Show what you stand for, right? So people are going to notice it. Maybe you're going to find better jobs. You're going to find better people to contribute to it, right? You set, like, your, your standards. If you're going to contribute to this project, you have to send PRs with tests. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. There you go. So should I test my own pet projects? Yes, of course. I think we covered that uh, briefly before. Yes. It's a great way uh, to practice as well. That's it. It's a great way to practice. Because a lot of people uh, complain their bosses don't allow them to test. And when they have the right. pet projects, they don't test as well. Right. I don't know. Well, consistency is important. Yeah. And again, <laughs> Like if you're if you're called to do something in the professional environment where the stakes are high, and you haven't done that before, well, mm. how are you how are you going to do that? You know that's why practicing in you know in the, these pet projects I think is like extremely important. Maybe you know what I'm going to say it's it's the most important thing you can do. Right. Especially if you are in this um, junior mid level. Uh, 
yeah, just just go crazy with the with the pet projects and just you know like try all these different ways of doing them. You know. Yeah, that's the time to over test. That's the time to over engineer. Right? Yes. People are afraid of over engineering. They end up under engineering everything. Yes. Right. Yes. Afraid of over testing, you under test. Afraid of over training, you under train. Yes. Exactly. And yeah, the real. I think part of the of the real work, you know, happens in these pet projects. Like you know, your skills are being developed in these pet projects. They're not being developed in, in the workplace most of the time. When again, for these more junior levels, you can't you can't understand what's going on, right? Um, and you you know, it's completely natural not being able to uh, contribute that much. So that's like your training part, you know? Yes. If you're like a, an athlete, that's, you know, you need to train in order to perform uh, in your race, in your fight, whatever you have uh, waiting for you, right? So that's, yeah. yeah. So if you're a musician, you're not going to, probably not going to try a new technique on the guitar in the stage, right? You're going right? to practice at home when the stakes are low, when you can practice on your own time, no one watching. Or if you have a gig with a million people watching you live, yeah absolutely absolutely right yeah okay so do it when it's easy yeah so then you build your skills to get bigger challenges next should i test after right no you should test first but but if you didn't yes test after of course yeah uh exactly. but next time yeah. Write the test first. I I think that says it all. I I don't think we need to elaborate more here. That's it. That, that's <laughs> it. Yep. Should I test my code a hundred percent? What's the alternative? Like ninety two percent. What they say is like should I only test the important parts? Right. But what are the important parts? <laughs> exactly. Like. The parts that need to work. What doesn't need to work? Is there yes. one line of code? One line of code that doesn't need to work probably shouldn't be there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, a comment or something. I see people Just... wasting a lot of time in the office like, should I test this? And they're discussing for 10 minutes if they should test something or not. If they just sit down and write the test, it would take less than five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're. Uh, <laughs> you should. You, yeah, just be prepared for that and just do the work. And what's the worst case scenario? Like nothing bad happens. That's the worst case scenario. Yes. You know. Yes. You over test it. Yes. All right. <laughs> just do it. Over test. Yeah. I mean, I think it's much better to. To have an over-tested code base, you know, instead of an under-tested code base, you know. So, yeah, that says it all again. All right. I'm just learning how to code. Should I learn how to test? Okay. So absolutely, uh, that's that's <clears throat> that's probably the 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 foundation, you know, for understanding other extremely valuable uh, disciplines in, in in software development so um, becoming proficient on testing it's, it's going to help immensely uh, as a, a, a as a professional software developer I think and yeah especially like especially learning how to test first again it sounds like a broken record but understanding you know the the process of doing that um it's going to help you design your system better it's going to help you think about risks uh and about risk management uh in in general in generally excuse me so yeah that's my take all right what do you think i learned how to code first and then i learned how to test Right? I was already a proficient developer when I learned how to test. Mm -hmm. So I, I was very resistant to testing right. Yes. right in the beginning. 
it took me some time to actually believe in the process and trust the process and do it. Yes. So even after I learned how to test, I was still teaching people to learn how to code first and then how to test because that's what I followed. That's what I knew, right? And I was most of the time teaching people, they already knew how to code, how to test. And I think the first times I saw someone like really showing successful cases of people learning how to test, like along with learning how to code was you showing like cases from your mentees, right. right? Right. And I started trying it out and actually they can learn faster because like the way you think about writing tests, it kind of guides you to understand more how programming works, right? It was very beneficial for me. It was like, wow, yeah, you can learn how to test and code and it actually makes sense. It makes sense for the students as well. And they learn from day one a valuable process, right? At some point, you need to learn how to test. It's just a matter of when. So right now, I think the sooner, the better. We've seen enough cases with our students, mentees, that, yeah, it works and it's great. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And it's not just the programmatic, you know, part of this thing. It's also the business side, which is, I mean you know, for uh, an expert developer is extremely important to understand the business side as well, because you have to talk to the business, you have to negotiate with the business, you have to understand the, the, like what kind of, um, like impact the code base has on the product and, you know, hedge basically, you know, like protect your code base. So I, I think that's like, probably the number one thing um well programmatically learning and also the business side i think that extremely important things to understand and yes i think test driven development helps students and you know it makes it easier to grasp you know, right because you are focusing on these ultra small chunks of hypotheses and you know like you you can constrain the risk um but Afterwards, you can see the big picture, you know, after having like a whole test case, for example, you can now see the, the big picture. You can think in branches and, you know, like in, in, in scenarios and how many states your system can be in based on a, when you're testing a single component. All these things are very, very um, important because they open, your, uh, they open your eyes into, you know, stuff that you couldn't see before. Because yes. You're never going to think, for example, you know, for example, if you're testing something and you know that, um, you know, it, it's like the, the, the number of states the system can find itself is, let's say, uh, two to the power of three, right? But in your everyday life, you just see just two states. Well, you know, you have a bunch of states missing there yes. that you're not testing, right? So that's very important uh, because you can um, protect your code base better. That's right. I feel like the breakdown of tasks is the biggest benefit for beginners, because if you ask them to build an application, the entire application, they're just overwhelmed with everything you have to do. But if you tell them, well, if you get this input validated and if it's valid, you you return like a a state valid. Oh, we can do that. Right. An if statement, right. blah, 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 and you create this tiny component, test it, and say, okay, and you, you also want to render a button here. Okay, I can do that. I can just put a button on the screen, and I test that button is on the screen. And you can say, okay, now you compose these two things. Oh, okay, I just created a validation that triggers a, an event change, and it triggers a UI rendering. And then you start creating these tiny, tiny, tiny components, and you start composing, 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 and suddenly you have a massive big complex application built off simple tiny parts right yep. and and they are amazed when they see everything working together say i cannot believe it built that yeah yeah exactly because if you think of the whole complex thing one you cannot like our brain cannot do that exactly but if you learn how to break down problems anyone can create a massive application by building from tiny tiny pieces yep and testing helps with that a lot so that's the way to go for sure yes okay next 
I just joined a new team with a terrible legacy code base. Should I test a legacy code base I didn't write? Wow. That's, <laughs> that's, that's bad. <laughs> you know, but it's that's a bad common, situation. Right? It's happening but every it's day. Like, it's, every day. Yeah. You join a team, you inherit the whole legacy code base or whatever. It's there. If you're lucky, the people are still there to support you and help you go towards the, the mess. But sometimes you just inherit a code base and you just have to understand on your own. Yes, exactly. So should I test a legacy code base I didn't write? Right. I mean, again, um, is it ever going to change? Like, is this like, let's establish then, you know, right. If it's not going to change and let's say it's a legacy code base and the business is, uh, is allocating capital to, to start a new code base, for example. Right. right? So this is like a product that you know it's going to go away and you don't care about your customer base, you know, to provide support for that because you're going to have like the new version in some time. Uh, probably not, you know, I, I think you should uh, allocate all your uh, resources and put your efforts in, in, the, in the new thing. Right. Uh, but again, it's not a universal rule, right? It depends on the on your case so if you're working on an application legacy no tests but it works fine it right. works the customers are happy and you don't want to change it no leave it alone yeah it's working exactly. now if you want to maintain the code base you get a ticket and it's a bug a bug fixing that legacy code base yeah you write a tiny test for that specific bug you prove the bug works you prove the bug exists and then yeah. you understand the scenario that makes the bug exist with a failing test. Yeah. And you make the test pass. And you made the code base a little better. Because maybe to test it, you had to kind of decouple a little bit some things. Right? You need to use some dependency injection here and there. And boom. You can test it. You can reproduce the bug. Then you fix the bug. The test pass. You leave it there. This regression never happened again. And you added one test. You're not going to test the whole thing. The things that are working, you don't touch. Exactly. Right, but the new things, the things that are maintaining, the bugs, if you need to add a new feature, yeah, you test the new feature. Does it need to integrate with an old feature? You test the integration of the old feature with the new feature, and etc. But you just don't go there and start writing tests for everything. No, as right. you go. Exactly. Otherwise, you're going to have to freeze, have the features freeze. Don't write any features because we are refactoring and we are testing the code base. But it works. Yeah. No, very, very important. As you go, um, and if something works, don't touch it. <laughs> Especially sure. if it's legacy. And exactly. you didn't write it. Yeah, just never, never do that. Right. Now, should I test if the rest of the team doesn't test? Well, yes, they don't because they created a legacy code base with no tests. Yeah. Should yeah. you join this team and start writing tests? Well, if they are open to the idea, of course. I joined yes. a bunch of teams. They build amazing products. They don't have tests and they have a little pain because of that. They don't have the skills to do it. Yes. I join them. I help them build the tests. They're happy. They learn a new skill. They are open to it. Yes, of course you should. If you have the skills, you have the means, do your best every time. Do your best. But exactly. What if the team doesn't want it? They don't want it. They don't. You don't need it. We don't like tests. You should not write tests. Yeah, that's. Uh, it happens. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, um, if everyone, uh, you know, is motivated not to do that and you come and say, well, I'm motivated to do that. Then you're going to have conflict big time. You can't win this fight. No, no, exactly. So good luck to your next <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the answer is no. If your team doesn't want that, you're going to have conflict. 
yeah. you cannot win against the collective, right? No. The team dictates. But yeah. if you want to, and if you think that's going to help you drive your career to find better opportunities in the long term and build more valuable skills, you should probably find a new team. Yes, exactly. And that goes for all levels, by the way. You know, um, if you're a junior and you're working somewhere that they don't do these practices, maybe you want like a, a more competitive environment, you know, with better teachers. Yes. But, so that's a junior mid-level. If you're a senior now. Even you if you want to make less money. Exactly. For in the sure. long term, it's going to pay off. Yes, it's a good investment. If you're going to find a team that does these things well, for sure, go for it. Uh, but even in the senior lead level, you know, let's say you have a team and then you come in with a purpose of, I don't know, like changing the culture or improving the processes. And if no one else <laughs> wants to do these things, you know, that's, that's going to be a nightmare. Um, yes. Because of incentives, like just people don't want to do these things. There's nothing wrong with don't want to do this. Like it's just, you know, you're not on the same page. That's the, that's all. That's all. Everything that it says. Yes. So, yeah, that's why you need to filter, you know, beforehand, before joining. Filter better this. next time. Yes. Nice. Yes. Okay. So, should I test if my manager or boss doesn't want me to test? I guess it's the same thing, right? Yeah. You cannot win this fight with your manager, if your boss, someone that's in a superior position with more authority. Yes. You cannot win that. You can win exactly. their trust. And with yes. their trust, you can influence. And actually, if you can win trust in a team that is failing and help them build something better, you'll be in a very good position to progress your career there. Or you can do what, uh, what you did. Yeah. So, well... Like, I don't recommend that, but... Oh, yes, over-deliver by... Um, I'll take the risk on me. I would say if I don't deliver on time, yes, I'll work weekends, I'll work extra times because I know I can deliver because I build the skills and I, I trust it that I can deliver on time even when I'm writing tests. But if you don't have the confidence, that's probably a bad idea because you're going to have to work weekends. Yes, exactly. So the question is how much invested are you in, in this thing and are you willing to over deliver are you willing to you know sacrifice um your own personal time i guess and just work it on something some risk, right some skin in the game absolutely yeah you know what like at some point you're gonna have to have some skin in the game so if you want you know, a remarkable career exactly high stakes exactly. high rewards yeah. So you should, you should better do it. Like the sooner, the better, I guess. Okay. I think that's enough for today. Okay. How many questions we replied here? Yeah. 20. A lot. A lot. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I guess uh, this is going to do it for this first edition of the iOS Lead Essentials. Let us know what you think. Uh, and send your questions in the comment section below. We'll see you again next time. Bye, y'all. See ya.